Emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 169, recorded on February 14th, 2023. We are your hosts, Guy, Tim, and Bob. On tonight's episode, we take a look at some of the top coasters at Universal and Walt Disney World. We'll explore the highs, the lows, the twists, and the turns. And never more fitting, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here be the wildest podcast in the wilderness. Tim, what do you got for news? Just two stories this week. Uh, first one, Tron has officially announced annual pass holders and uh, D23 gold member previews as well as DVC member previews. The A- uh, AP and D23 uh, gold members will get an email with a sign-up link and signups will begin on the same day, February 16th. That's Thursday of this week. No date as of yet when the previews will be. It's expected to be a range of dates. Uh, reservations can be made for the pass holder or gold member who receives the email, plus five other pass holders or gold members who the pass holder making the reservation can share and make reservations for in my Disney experience. DVC members, this is a little bit more contrived. Uh, they will also get an email with the on the 16th with the dates of the previews, but will only be eligible for those previews if they already had a DVC trip prior to February 13th booked and no modifications to the trip or travel party can be made to that trip or they will become ineligible for the preview. Um, I think they're just anticipating that this preview with this ride being so, so, so long waited and so expected to be so, so popular that they have to have some system to limit and they don't want every DVC member in the world rebooking their trips and making these uh, previews a nightmare because presumably all three of these affinity groups previews are going to play out over the same date or period of dates. Uh, Other than that, um, kind of an unexpected turn in the Reedy Creek saga. And also it looks like the end of it, Uh, the bill that uh, we spoke about in the news last week that was written um, by Ron DeSantis and uh, conservative leadership in the Florida State House did pass both chambers of the Florida State House as expected. Uh, and Disney uh, World President Jeff Valley has put out a statement that Disney will not fight the decision and will accept the uh change of control of the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Um, Honestly, I think this is just a case of Disney did not want to have this tied up in the courts for many, many years. And the final version of the bill actually doesn't change much. The only substantive changes really that Disney World will feel is uh, Reedy Creek will receive a new name. I believe it is the Unified Tourist Special Improvement District of Florida uh, or something to that effect. Uh, the 
tax board for Reedy Creek will no longer be elected by the residents of Reedy Creek, a.k.a. via Disney proxy voting. And instead, they will be political appointees of the Florida's governor's office and will be uh, confirmed by the Florida State Senate. This is the core unconstitutionality of the bill that people expected Disney to fight on, because by definition, that's taxation without representation. Uh, but honestly, that board doesn't do much. Uh, Disney will also, as we discussed last week, lose its ability to build a nuclear power plant, something they were never going to do anyway, and build an airport, something they have long ago abandoned the idea of. Uh, Disney still will be able to service its existing billion plus dollars of bond debt that will not be transferred onto the residents of Orange and Osceola County. And it will still be able to issue new bonds as well as have its own fire, public safety and building inspection departments, as well as public works. So honestly, very unlikely things are going to change. Ron DeSantis is throwing his hat into the uh, presidential race for 2024. So it's unlikely he will even be governor of Florida for much longer. Um, so I think Disney kind of decided their best bet was to cut their losses and not worry about what really amounts to a change in a tax board. Uh, and that is really all the news this week. So on to our very thrilling main topic, something that I am shocked we have never done before on this show. Bob, what are we doing this week? Well, it's only fitting here on Valentine's Day that we talk about one of the true loves of the Disney guys uncensored, and that is an ultimate thrilling ride or attraction. We're talking about the roller coasters. Tim, there's only one way that the Disney guys uncensored can do a list of this stature, of this magnitude, of, of this magnificent brilliance. It's a spreadsheet of silliness, guys, and it is back for a limited time only, Tim. Are you excited about the spreadsheet of silliness coming back? Not as excited as our listeners should be. So you should really strap in for some kind of arbitrary categories that we've assigned numeric rankings to. Yep, um, a ride nobody likes will probably win because uh, there's, you know, this is just going off raw numbers. Uh, yeah, people will get angry and send system. us emails. Yep. Um, any of our longtime listeners really remember how these shows work. Um, they tend to be very long. Um, several of the categories are very esoteric. No, we, we no. didn't do that. It, it got thrown out there. We almost did it. But uh, if I'm being honest, the Super Bowl was on Sunday. I had plans. I was just a little hungover from Saturday night. Uh, was not really gonna gonna dig deep into a spreadsheet of silliness uh, situation. No, you know, guy, have you ever taken part in a spreadsheet of silliness? No, I haven't. Unfortunately, seems criminal. Like, I seems mean, criminal. I, I've listened to a lot of setups with Jordana when she was on the show. Um, <laughs> we, I remember one time the, the Pixar movies or yep. the sports. That was yeah. quite a uh, spreadsheet of silliness. Yeah. I recall that one. Yeah. Uh, my my all time yeah. favorite's got to be uh, scientifically rate, ranking every pre show uh, in the park. Yeah, you know, I think to fully grasp what we're doing tonight, we do at least owe a tip of the cap to realize that we've evolved as humans, that we understand how tedious a show like that can be. Uh, for the listener, for us to pre prepare for. So it's really, really difficult. So this was a little bit different. We took kind of nine coasters we thought represented everyone in Central Florida, or at least in Universal and, and Walt Disney World. Um, we do want to recognize that Busch Gardens and SeaWorld, uh, for, for thrill capacity, just light years ahead of Disney. 
And certainly, for the most part, with the exception of a couple rides at Universal, Light Years Ahead's at Universal as well. Um, so I, we're not going to touch on those tonight. I, I don't think that we would do them justice. We're not uh, super anything. familiar with them, to be super, yeah. to be honest. We would be going to Wiki, Wikipedia or Universal Suit uh, to Bush Gardens website and SeaWorld's website and pulling stats. And, and we did some of that with some of these rides, but these are more of a personal experience thing. And I don't know it's truly a, a one to nine ranking, Tim, as much as it's just probably nine of our favorite coasters on the two properties, I think is the best way for us to kind of describe what we're going to talk about tonight. I, th- I think that's a good good way to codify what, what these nine are. And, I, and honestly, I think probably they're, I mean, Tron is opening up. Uh, there, there's going to be more coasters soon, but of, of of the Orlando parks and of the coasters that open, these, these in our opinion, I think are the nine best of them. Yeah. I just want to say, um, Tim and myself had a very um, short conversation today talking about Tron, and I, and I decided that I have Tron fatigue. The ride isn't even open. I have Tron fatigue from the... Seats being too small to there not being enough accessible seating to the six years of development for an attraction that's off the shelf. I have drawn. Is it possible that this ride doesn't deliver based on that? Or am I the only person in the world that has Tron fatigue? I don't think so. And I think there's going to be there's going to be some think pieces once these previews start, because by all accounts, this is an extremely short ride. It is. it is very fast yep. and very exciting, but not necessarily extremely thrilling and extremely short, even compared to a lot of the rides we're going to talk to uh, talk about today. Yeah. Well, let's just get right into it then. I, I think the first one for me that I wanted to talk about is I, I don't want to say it's a classic. It's not quite 20 years old. It opened in 2004. Uh, but I was there the first summer that this ride opened. Revenge of the Mummy at Universal Studios, to me, uh, is one of the first coasters that really told a story. And for me, that's a huge deal. I mean, it, it's a 48-inch height requirement for those of you that have kids. Top speed is is a tame-ish 45 miles an hour. Um, it's not overly fast, but it isn't necessarily the slowest ride here. You do have the three linear induction motor launches. One of them is a reverse launch, so that's pretty cool. One of the first coasters I went on that, in fact, incorporated launches throughout the attraction and not just at the startup. 80-degree um, bank turns, 50-degree banked uh, angle of descent. But I think really where this ride excels is the use of the Mummy franchise, Brendan Fraser's Mummy. Uh, Emotep is there. There's fire. There's fog. There's spiders. There's it. There's there's live actors in the attraction. The coaster really does have everything, Tim. When you really think of it, it starts. It stops. It's it's almost a three minute runtime, which is longer a longer side for a roller coaster. I got to tell you. I don't really have any complaints about Revenge of the Mummy uh, being on this list of rides that you coasters you should go on in Florida. No, I mean, it's an all time great. And I think you left out kind of like the defining feature of it. Um, I, I think you could, I don't think it's a spoiler for a 2004 ride. Tim, what what did I miss? Tim? What did I miss? The, the, in the, research? the false finish. Well, listen, this isn't, listen, this isn't WrestleMania. And listen, we pretty much had WrestleMania on Sunday. If that wasn't the most contrived ending to a football game, I don't know what is. But we're not here to talk about that tonight because I don't care that the Eagles lost or that the Chiefs won. But it was a hold. They shouldn't have called it at that point in the game. I'll argue that to my deathbed. But you're you got to right. call it. 
No, you don't. Th- no, we're off it's the rails a penalty. already. It doesn't matter when it happens. It's a penalty when the penalty happens. But they didn't call it at all in the game. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, I digress. Tim, you're absolutely right. The false finish is fantastic. And then you end up into the probably the most intense portion of the ride. It, it's a great ride. It, Guy, have you have any experience on Revenge of the Mummy? Yeah, so this is the my one and only trip to Universal. This was the big, shiny new ride when I went. I want to say I mm-hmm. went in... Um, like winter of 20, uh, 2005, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd gone to Disney the day before and then Universal, uh, and this just blew everything we rode at Disney out of the water. And right. even then, Universal, it was a lot of the, you know, E.T., Terminator mm-hmm. 2 rides, which were great, but this was just something on a whole other level. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I haven't been back since, uh, but this is something um, I'm glad that it's still running. Um, definitely a fun ride for sure. It'll be interesting to me if they do do the full uh, the full Monsters Universe land over at Epic Universe. This ride, Tim, just went through almost a full 18-month renovation in the last couple of years. So I don't think it's going anywhere. But when you think about what it replaced, it did replace Confrontation, which was very close to my heart. I loved Confrontation. So uh, Revenge of the Mummy, though, for what it replaced, where it is in the park, and, and just... The complete ride experience of Revenge of the Mummy is really, for me, checks all the boxes in terms of a coaster you need to check out when you're in uh, Central Florida. And, Tim, we're not going very far for the next one, are we? No, no. uh, It's over to Islands of Adventure for really what is the most uh, thrilling coaster. I think I'm not speaking out of turn at all when I say that on this list, and that is – the newest uh, ride over at Universal Studios, Velocicoaster. Uh, this one has a 51-inch height requirement. I believe that's the highest of any of the coasters on our list. 70-mile-per-hour top speed, which is definitely the highest on our uh, list. Dual-launched, 0 to 50 in 2 seconds out the gate on this ride. And then a rolling launch up to a full 70 miles per hour midway through this coaster in only 2.4 sections. Four inversions, and these are big boy inversions, uh, the signature being a 54 mile per hour heartline roll on a out and in over um, the water in the center of um, Islands of Adventure. Uh, This is really not just... um, a highly themed coaster, which it is. Um, there's extensive rock work throughout uh, four different raptor statues at different places. Um, they didn't use animatronics because honestly, that would have been a misuse of funds. You're, you're flying through at 55 to 70 miles per hour on average on this coaster. So there is some really beautiful theming. You just blink and you miss it because you're going through this thing so fast. Um, but one of the best cues, I think in all of theme parks, um, this queue is just so cool. You enter through the lower uh, floor of the Jurassic World Discovery Center. You're in like a big futuristic rotunda, um, kind of more in the theme of the Jurassic World movies than the Jurassic Park movies with uh, a really amazing bronze statue of all these raptors. Then from there, you head through um, the raptor labs. You can see the cars racing by uh, through the windows sometimes. Um then you're treated to a pre-show. Um, there's some really cool Easter eggs in some of these rooms um, across the whole Jurassic franchise, both park and world. Uh, then after the first pre-show, you're in um, like a raptor veterinary area. 
where you see the Raptors in those um, immobilizing collars uh, with their heads through the wall. Uh, animatronic Raptors that will like snap at you and the eyes move and stuff as you walk by in this queue. Uh, then you're treated to a, a pre show with uh, um, Claire and um, Chris Pratt's character from the um, uh, from the Jurassic World movies uh, right before you load on the roller coaster on this really incredible, super high resolution, huge screen where uh, the story of the ride is kind of explained. Um, there is uh, holographic projectors of raptors on the glass in that area, and those holographic raptors chase after each train as it goes down the uh, first that zero to fifty launch, uh, and then you you board this incredible coaster, and uh, you have probably the most thrilling experience you can have right now in Orlando if you're searching for you know G force and airtime-based thrills. This uh, ride also uses a really cool restraint system where instead of, despite being such an extreme coaster, um, it uses really what amounts to like a very heavy-duty lap bar for each individual guest. So there's no shoulder restraints or belts of any kind to like uh, interfere with your airtime or um, like feeling of falling or anything while you're going through these really extreme banks and turns and loops and twists. So, I mean, this ride was a blast. Uh, Rachel and I, a little over a year ago, did a universal only trip. And um, I think we rode this like four or five times. Just, just really, really incredible coaster. Also a pretty good people eater because the ride is so fast, has a lot of trains. The trains are pretty long and fit a lot of people. And um, kids just can't go on it with the 51-inch height requirement. So it, it, if you get there, especially if you have early access or staying on Universal property, uh, it, it's it, you can get a lot of rides on this. Uh, awesome during the day and awesome at night. Um, I don't. Neither of you guys have been on this one, right? No, I haven't. No. Yeah. Uh, well, that's correct. But I love the top hat design, Tim. That top hat is is already iconic in the Universal landscape. Yeah, no, no, I mean, this is this is I mean, the mummy was Universal really firing their shot over the bow and showing Disney that they could do stuff to really challenge their supremacy in the ride space. And this is them just saying, like, all right, we're, we're going to eat your lunch when it comes to thrills. Don't even try right. um, to take that crown from us. And uh, as we talked about the other big Universal coaster on this list. Uh, I have really, really high hopes for what Universal can do with the rumored coasters in Epic Universe and that rumored Fast and the Furious super coaster that's going to be built into the side of the mountain that divides the upper and lower lot in um, Hollywood. Uh, Universal has really, really shown in the last couple of years as they moved away from the screen rides that these coasters, these high thrill coasters are their bread and butter now. Yeah, that certainly is true. I I. Love the concept stuff on that Fast and Furious coaster. I don't know how you take a Fast and Furious and give us whatever the hell that attraction is in Florida as like. And I understand it's just it's an off the ra- it's an off the shelf kind of we can do a screen technology, but how you don't have some sort of coaster with that ride? It blows my with that franchise blows my mind. Uh, Guy, we're gonna head over to Epcot now for I mean Disney's answer to some of this stuff. 
Um, it's funny how you how you word that as Disney's answer because it's so Disney in that it is nothing like uh, Velocicoaster is requirements. Um, you know, Tim was like, "Well, have you ever ridden it before?" And for me, it's no. And the main reason is because I would never fit on it. I'd probably have to lose. Got, not 100 pounds, but pretty close. It feels like to 100 pounds to get on that ride. Whereas in Disney, it's the complete opposite. Um, if you want to just kind of the stats, uh, you know, one versus one with Velocicoaster, it's 51 inches with Guardians. It's 42, which for me is kind of ridiculous. Um, like this is not a ride I would ever take Sal on, even though he could technically go on it. Um, I think the 42 inches is a little crazy on that for the way the launch is to start the ride. Um, it does hit a top speed of 60 miles an hour. Um, it's one of the longer coasters on this list. It might be the longest coaster at three minutes and 20 seconds, which is pretty crazy. Uh, it opened uh, a year late, typical Disney fashion, but it did open for Epcot's 40th anniversary, which is great. Um, and then there's the rotating song list. Um, I'm just going to run through them quick for you. You have September by Earth, Wind and Fire, uh, Disco Inferno, um, Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears of Fears, One Way or Another by Blondie, uh, I Ran by A Flock of Seagulls, and lastly, Conga by Gloria Estefan. Both of the times I've ridden this ride, I've gotten September, uh, which is kind of the premiere song. That's the song that people are hoping for. Um, I don't know how different the ride would be based on just the song, uh, but apparently it's kind of a little bit of a different experience uh, just based on whatever you get. Um, I think the ride's a lot of fun. Tim, do you have any experience with this ride, I believe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rich and I have ridden it uh, twice, I think. And uh, yeah, it's super, super fun. Um, we got... Uh, I think we got Flock of Seagulls in September. Um, really, again, super great theme uh, pre-show. Um, really, that's yep. where you have to kind of lump your theming in on uh, on on these rides, since a roller coaster does not lend itself to a lot of looking around and animatronics as you speed by. Uh, the rotating cars is obviously the 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 draw here. Um, it's not like a regular rotating coaster that a lot of theme parks have now. The cars rotate. Um, on a specific program to face you at or away various scenic elements or enhance different feelings of the ride. It's a really, really unique experience in that way, at least it was for me. Um, yeah, super fun ride. Never would have guessed 60 miles per hour. I, I'm betting that's just really the launch. This does I not... think it's to just the launch. It hits 60 miles an hour. And then after that, it's kind of more, a lot more tame. It's not anywhere near 60 miles an hour during the actual ride. But yeah, super fun. Captures the the Guardians, which is certainly my favorite sub franchise of the the Marvel universe, and uh, a, a really great ride that I think has brought a different audience who I think would have been either Epcot skeptical, if not straight up Epcot skippers, um, to do something more than just do test track and then rush over to drink around the world, where you now have a for better or worse another big virtual queue lightning lane. Uh, behemoth that Disney seems intent on putting kind of two of these big anchor, no standby line types things in each park. Yeah, so, I mean, that's really it. I mean, I didn't really touch on the pre-show too much, uh, which is very entertaining, really gets you kind of hyped up for the ride. Uh, Glenn Close, Terry Crews are in that pre-show as well. Um, like I said, really fun ride. Um, next, we're going to probably one of the most universal classic rides in all of Disney. Uh, Bub, take it away there. So I, 
I failed our listeners, Tim and Guy, because I know I could look it up right now. And I, Tim, we did ninety-ish minutes on Space Mountain, at least, and that was—I want to say—it was in the seventies. It was a problem almost a hundred episodes ago, I think, at this point. Maybe not that many, but I would say it was close to a hundred episodes ago. So I, I'll just give you kind of a Reader's Digest version of Space Mountain. A lot of people know what it is. It's 180 feet tall, but it's it's a massive, massive building at the corner of Tomorrowland. This is the OG, I guess, but not really. It's the OG's cousin because the inspiration from the Matterhorn and Disneyland to use the tubular track and stuff kind of was the idea here. 44-inch um, height requirement here. I do appreciate the mirror image dual track of the Alpha and the Omega tracks with it, uh, with I believe the Alpha track being 10 feet longer just based on where it is in the building. Uh, max speed, though, boys, this is where it gets me every time I hear this stat. The max speed is between 27 and 28 miles an hour. I swear to you, it seems significantly faster than 27 or 28 miles an hour. It, maybe it's the whole ricketiness of it, because if there's a ride on this list that needs a complete overhaul, it is Space Mountain. At this point, it needs tender, loving care. Um, that's the fastest 27 or 28 miles an hour I've ever been a part of. I try to drive 27 down my street with a speed limit's 25, and I'm like, am I even moving? So it's it's really, really weird to me that this ride is only that quick. 39-degree um, drop, but there's not a ton of drop. This is much more... I want to say if you're familiar with the old school style um, out and back coasters and like the cyclones that go up the hill and then kind of wind down the track. That is very much what this coaster is. It's a very traditional what you would find on a boardwalk, but it's inside. So it's a little bit more fun, in my opinion. What really sets Space Mountain apart, though, is that original score uh, by Dick Dale. And and now, obviously, Michael Giacchino has has redone the score for, for the attraction here at Disney World. Um, but this is really a rite of passage attraction, boys. Is that is that fair to say that once you hit 44 uh, inches tall, this is a rite of passage coach, a rite of passage coaster for for you guys? I yeah, I definitely agree. This is one where they always ask the kids like, "Hey, are you sure you want to go on it? Do you know what you're doing? We know what you're getting into." Uh, like you said, with the speed limit that it hits, it is crazy how um, scary is not really the right word, but like. Uh, definitely an element of being brave, I guess, for right. kids. It's definitely more of a brave ride. Um, and yeah, it, man, it, it shakes you up pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, definitely a lot of fun, though. Again, a ride I could take Sal on. I haven't taken him on yet. I can't imagine um, not having the side-by-side. -side. Um, that would be something for him that would probably freak him out a little bit. But yeah, definitely rider passage for sure. I do laugh at what you said, though, because this is such a uh, uh, it's not an intense ride, but there's a certain level of thrill on this attraction that just it shouldn't exist. But it does. And, and Tim, is that due to the darkness? Because it, it does. And I will say this. It feels like it gets progressively darker as you go. And that's by design based on the deeper you go into, quote unquote, space. That's the idea of the attraction. But is that what it is? Is because it loses some of its luster when you catch it with the lights on. I, I think I think part of it is the ricketiness. Part of it is the ride vehicle style. I mean, none of these other coasters we're talking about have anything close to the bobsled style cars. 
I think it's the fact that those out and back coasters are not traditionally inside a building and certainly not in pitch dark. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the 27 to t- 27 and a half miles per hour, we'll call it. I never would have guessed that. Um, anytime I ride this ride, um, it is by far the slowest ride on this entire list. And there are two straight up family coasters on this list, both which go significantly faster than this. Um, I do agree though. The ricketyness is, is part of the charm, but now it's kind of excessive. Uh, we've already speculated to bring up the, you know, the Tron thing again, that once Tron is fully operational and, and shows that it's reliable and it's not going to be another uh, rise of the resistance where it's breaking down and, and they're having to make up individual lightning lanes. Uh, I, I think realistically we, we see a lengthy space mountain refurb um, similar to what's about to start over in Japan yeah. uh, here because these space bounds have just been around forever and they're in rough shape. So I will say this, I, and I will piggyback off of that and then we'll throw it to one of the newer attractions on this list. Again, going kind of the dichotomy of the list from old to young. Uh, I would speculate that two years, 2025, once Tron, cause that would give Tron two full years of operation and it would give them time to finish splash mountain. I don't see space going down before splash mountain comes back up. But once Splash comes back up and they know that Splash is back, which they'll know sooner than later, Guy has speculated, at least privately with us, that he believes that it'll be done on the earlier end of their late 2024. I I, I could see a spring and or mid-summer closure of Splash Mountain, uh, of Space Mountain in 2025, and, and that being two more years of this ride being down. Again, purely speculative, but that's the timeline, uh, reading the tea leaves, as it were, that I would see, which gives it two full more years, two more full years of use, which maybe, maybe not. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Tim, from the oldest to one of the newer attractions, and by all accounts, something that I think the three of us agree, probably the best attraction on this list. Yeah, that's going to be Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. That is the complete name, though. Most people call it just Hagrid's or Hagrid's Motorbike. Uh, Over also at Islands of Adventure. Uh, This one's got a 48-inch height requirement. 50-mile-per-hour top speed is the longest coaster in Florida. Uh, It is slightly shorter than Guardians, but uh, track length is longer uh, overall. Uh, It's slightly shorter time period-wise. The track is longer still. Uh, the cars are themed to Hagrid's motorbike and sidecar. You ride in a upright uh, cruiser motorcycle position on the motorbike and a traditional sidecar position if you're in the sidecar. Um, there are tons of animatronics throughout this ride. There are seven separate LIM linear induction motor launches um, throughout this ride. Uh, its signature feature is a spike reversal where you go 70 street. Feet, feet straight up in the air and then reverse in one movement. And then there's also a 17-foot drop track uh, that sets up the final part of this ride. Uh, again, incredible queue, multiple pre-shows, heavily, heavily, heavily themed throughout. Uh, this ride really is one of the best rides in the world. Uh, That's not just me saying this 2019 when this opened. It won the um, IAPA Golden Ticket Award for Best New Ride and then also came in second for the IAPA Golden Ticket for Best Roller Coaster. Uh, This ride has absolutely set the standard for 
what a roller coaster could be in in so far as also telling a story and, and, and doing all the things that a dark ride can do, but also be a hyper modern high thrill ride. Um, the wait times popularity and, and thorough put of this ride uh, certainly back that up. This is also one of the most popular rides in Orlando uh, and really a ride that I don't think any Disney park right now has an adequate answer to. And I don't think there's anything on Disney's radar right now that comes close to this hybrid of thrills and storytelling um, kind of in this massive budget space. Um, yeah, I mean, an, another one um, on, on on our, our trip. This was the ride we had um, on our flight day, a, a couple hours we could spend in the park. And the one thing that we both wanted to make sure that we absolutely got done was uh, an, another ride on this um, before we left. Uh, really, I'm, I'm not a Harry Potter fan at all. I, I kind of don't like Harry Potter. I have no affinity for the characters. I haven't read all the books. I haven't seen all the movies. But uh, this is just straight up one of the best rides I've ever been on. Might be the best it's, ride I've ever been on. It is funny you say that there's there's nothing on their radar that you think is really going to compete with this. And I wouldn't even disagree with you. I will say that I have a concept for a segment we're going to do in a few minutes after we get through this list that I think if done correctly would probably not match the intensity of Hagrid, but I think would match the toys, the storytelling capabilities of what Hagrid does. I'm interested to see what you guys think when we get to that point. Um, but Tim, you're absolutely right. A ride that is on my uh, bucket list already uh, to get there next time uh, we take the family down is to get on Hagrid's. I mean, the, the car design, the track design. And again, when you took for me, what was one of the, the, the most, I don't want to say innovative uh, rides at Islands of Adventure because they weren't the first people to do a dueling coaster. But what this replaced, I loved the dueling dragons. And, and then I guess it turned into the dragon challenge attraction. But the foresight that they had to take that and, and build what they built, they need to be commended, and they have been for this attraction. This attraction routinely, like you said, ranks uh, in, in the IAW uh, magazines, everything like that. Um, just revered attraction, and a can't miss. If you're down there, take the time and get on this attraction. I, I think more so than Velocicoaster. Again, it, it, just me not riding either one. I will tell you that Hagrid's is, is higher on the list of things for me to do. Yeah. Uh, Velocicoaster. Velocicoaster is a high thrill coaster. It's more thrilling than this, but you can get an experience similar to mm -hmm. Velocicoaster as at whatever the best ride at your local Cedar yeah. Fair or Six Flags Park is. Yeah. It is, at the end of the day, just a hyper coaster. Right. Uh, this is something truly special. Every inch of it is themed. Every inch of it is animatronics, set pieces, yeah. all of that, in addition to using these launches, drop tracks, reversals, um, yeah. changes of direction stuff to also tell a story. Uh, well, well, it does all these coaster things as good, if not better, than a regular coaster. Uh, truly an incredible ride. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to, to pivot from one great themed ride, some would say the best themed ride on this list, to guy one not to sleep on in terms of theming, uh, or, or something Disney I think did really well when they when they expanded Animal Kingdom. Yeah, so I think this is probably the most underrated uh, coaster on the list. Uh, it's my personal favorite on the list, um, and that is Expedition Everest. 
Um, again, Disney crushing it with the height requirement, only 44 inches. Um, you do hit a max speed of 50 miles per hour. I think it has one of the most underrated cues um, in all the list. Um, I know it starts off in the fictional uh, Himalayan Escapes Travel Agency. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have about 8,000 actual artifacts from Nepal in there as well. Um, there's the Yeti footprint that they have mm-hmm. as well. Um, it is the tallest artificial mountain in all of Walt Disney Parks at 199 feet tall. Um, Disney obviously always keeps everything under 200 feet uh, because they don't want to have those blinking red lights for all the low-flying airplanes. Uh, the ride itself is two minutes and 50 seconds long. Um, the ride starts uh, like a ski lift kind of pull up the mountain. Um, I don't have that stat in front of me, but I want to say it was about 120 feet that you go straight up. Um, you get great views of Orlando and the other theme parks. I know you get great views of uh, the Tower of Terror Hotel when you're going up that. Um, then you get to the top of the ride where there's a lot. You'll notice a lot of um why can I not think of the hair ties? There we go. Um, that are very popularly left there. Um and then the ride kind of goes back. Um, there's an 80-foot drop. And then most famously, the Yeti is non-functioning. Um, it originally functioned, obviously. And then um, now they just use flashing lights to kind of give you that um, sense that that Yeti could still get you. Uh, which I actually think makes the ride a lot more fun. I think just knowing the story that like this was just such a colossal screw-up that even Disney with all the money in the world is just like, yeah, there's nothing we can do about this. We just kind of have to ride with it. Um, and I think it's one of the most fun experiences um, at Animal Kingdom. It's certainly the most thrilling ride there, um, especially pre Pandora. Um, it was kind of the biggest ticket in town. Um, what do you guys think of the coaster? Well, I think you got to start, like you said, over in the queue. I love the Himalayan prayer flags i I love what they did with cues and up until the coasters we've talked about velocicoaster and and hagrid and and the harry potter expansions at universal that is one of the things that disney always 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 did better than universal they immediately immersed you in a story and when you set foot in that queue you know you're in for something exciting to me everest Listen, I've come on this show plenty of times and told you that Kilimanjaro Safari is the best theme park attraction in the world, period. In the world. I, the best. Everest is close. I, I love Everest. I do. And, and I agree with everything you said. It's a fun ride. It's got just the right level of thrill. Um, again, not as intense as something like Velocicoaster, but it's not meant to be. Um, it's We're going to we're gonna hit a couple here, and, and not to proceed the list here. We go from... Uh, a, a big version of Thunder Mountain to a lesser version of Thunder Mountain to Thunder Mountain. I, I think all three of them uh, are are in the same vein, uh, but Everest does it best. I, I, I do love Everest. Tim, what about you? Are you an Everest guy? Oh, I mean, who's not an Everest guy unless you hate coasters? Um, right. This ride, I mean, it does not have any kind of crazy historical precedent. It obviously is not a Walt Walked here sort of ride. Uh, but it has already really cemented itself as one of the greats in theme park history. First ballot Hall of Famer type ride um, really set the standard, as you said, Bob, for these storytelling in a coaster 
heavily themed throughout an experience as much as it is a thrill ride. Um, absolute can't miss. Uh, one of the few single rider cues that Disney still has. Um, always a long wait time on this one and usually a pretty short wait time on the single rider, which is um, almost always how Rachel and I do this one. Um, and, and it's just a blast. It always multiple rides whenever we are at Animal Kingdom and uh, just a, a really, really fantastic ride. And, and guy, you're cutting me deep here. The Yeti is in B mode. He is not unfunctional. <laughs> he is in B mode. Um, again, I completely agree. If that animatronic was functional, I think we'd talk about this ride in a different light. I honestly do. Again, speaking from, and I think, Tim, we've done an Everest episode. We've talked about Everest in depth before. Um, I, I don't know why. We might have done a full episode. I'm not sure. I don't remember anymore. But we've talked about, privately anyway, the issues with the Yeti. And has anyone even seen Yeti in A mode or is it one of those that we only hear about Yeti in A mode? Because I think I've seen it, but I don't know if it's a Mandela effect thing where I just know what it's supposed to do and that it doesn't do it. I don't know that I've ever seen the Yeti other than how he is, because it was only functional for the first year of existence of the attraction. And even then, it wasn't even a full year that it was functional. So it's it's a tough thing. They're never going to fix it, I, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I there's so many rumors about fixing it in these Right. Real hack-eyed plans, but a couple years after his retirement, during the pandemic, Joe Rody straight up came out on his Instagram and said, hey, this is what it will take to fix the Yeti, and this is why the Yeti's not getting fixed. And, and right. what he said would take to fix the Yeti is they would have to completely remove the entire mountain around the coaster, remove the Yeti from the superstructure, re-engineer it from the ground up because the issue with the yeti is nothing to do with it not working properly mechanically it's the yeti is too heavy to support itself and it right. basically split itself in half inside its skin and that's why it doesn't work anymore so it's just braced together and basically is a big static statue um so th that's none of those things are ever going to happen the Yeti is probably never going to be fixed. It's just not a good use of Disney's money, especially now that we're kind of in a belt tightening era for them. Um, I know I personally have never seen it in A mode other than in that video that gets shared around sometimes on social media of it right. still at WDI before it got installed in the ride uh, behind a woman uh, in plastic sheeting, menacingly moving around, uh, dwarfing this this uh, female Imagineer uh, talking about Disney's upcoming ride. I think it was part of an ABC special to hype up uh, the upcoming Animal Kingdom opening. But it's a goddamn impressive animatronic. I mean, it's it's an impressive feat of engineering. Even if it isn't functionally what it was supposed to be, it's an impressive, impressive animatronic. Um, from the king of the Disney mountains to the baby of Disney Mountains unofficially. We're doing Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, uh, perhaps the most controversial of the additions to the list. Um, certainly one that I think my co-hosts here will talk about a little bit differently than I will, and for different reasons. Uh, for me, the 38-inch height requirement, the max speed of 34 to 35 miles an hour, the dark ride elements, the moving car, the the, the swaying cars, the 39-foot drop. It, it's it's a grown it's a grown-up kitty coaster. It's a family coaster. 
Um, to me, it is Big Thunder Mountain's little brother. So, ergo, it is in fact the baby brother of Expedition Everest. Really solid theming all around. The structure itself, the mountain, it feels a little out of place where it is in the middle of Fantasyland. I don't disagree with that assessment, um, but the structure itself is really cool. I like the idea of it, and I really do like the mine portion of the ride and the, and the, the animatronics with the dwarfs. Uh, they're some of my favorite characters, so I think I look at this ride through rose-tinted glasses, probably more so than my two co-hosts. Uh, but overall, for a C plus D minus, for a C plus, you know, D attraction, I think it does its job. Um, you can argue that, and I think I will argue this, that the throughput is absolutely terrible, and that you should. This ride isn't worth the 120-minute wait, which I don't disagree with. It is, for all of the, the, the storytelling they do, it is a rather short ride, to be honest. Uh, but I, I like the attraction. I don't feel strongly about it negatively or positively. Um, Zach, my, my 10-year-old, he, he likes it. He thinks it's fun. Um, and again, at the end of the day, a fine attraction, a fine addition. And I think for a family coaster... One, you should go on with your kids because it is that 38-inch height requirement, and it's not overly aggressive in any way. Um, Guy and Tim, I, I know you guys have stronger thoughts than that. So, t t Tim, I see you raising your hand. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think this ride sucks. Uh, I, I don't have kids, so you know this is this is from the perspective of somebody who just enjoys thrill rides. I do like dark rides. I like dark rides a lot, especially classic dark rides. Um, I think Snow White's uh, Not So Scary Adventure was uh, a much better ride than this, and and this kind of replaced it. Um, I'm shocked to see the max speed is 34 miles an hour because I feel like this ride crawls. I I would have thought that this was much 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 slower than Space Mountain. Um, the cars are bizarrely small and uncomfortable for how much how large they are compared to regular roller coaster cars uh, i'm like 5 10 155 pounds and like i feel like my knees are up to my chin when i'm in these things um i don't think that the any of the elements add up to being worth what is consistently the longest wait on walt disney world property at any given time uh the thorough put on this ride uh they grossly uh overestimated it. it 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 the guests per hour is, is among the worst of any of the rides uh in walt disney world which is shameful because the newer rides are all designed to have a super super high guest per hour rate so the the fact that for a long time this was the newest ride in the magic kingdom and the fact that it couldn't act as a people eater was just criminal and then you wait for this ridiculous line and the payoff is just really not there uh, it, it's just a disappointing ride for me as someone who, who enjoys, you know, thrills and like kind of the big budget rides or the classic dark rides, which is one of these is what this replaced. So I, that's my take on it. Um, I am, I am not, as you can tell, not a fan of this ride really at all. I told you they were going to be more pointed than I was, ladies and gentlemen, guy, I know that you kind of feel it, it the juice isn't worth the squeeze with this ride. Is that your main point with this? Yeah. So that's my biggest problem with the ride too. And Tim kind of you know pointed on it too, which is ironic. Uh, so just 
Tim, like you said, is 155 pounds. I'm 200 pounds heavier than Tim, and we describe being in the ride the exact same. Uh, that is an absolute design failure. That my complaint about the ride is the, the exact same complaint about Tim. Like, literally, one of these things is not like the other. Uh, it's ridiculous that it's like basically, all right, if you're a grown adult, you're going to be extremely uncomfortable on this ride, regardless of where you fit on the spectrum. Uh, this is a ride that if it tells you it's going to be an 80 minute wait, it is not Disney. It is going to be an 80 minute wait. Um, it is, it just suffers from like Peter Pan syndrome. Peter Pan, Peter Pan is a fine ride when there's a 30 minute wait. It's the same thing with this. On my last trip, the wait was like 35 minutes. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll wait 35 minutes for this. And at 35 minutes, it's not a complaint at all. It's not, you know, it's it's a fun enough ride. It's nothing special. Uh, but people who wait, especially in the hot, hot sun in July for 110 minutes to go on this two-minute ride, it is it's crazy. I'd rather I'd rather go on Big Thunder Mountain three times in a row uh, than ride this once. You know, I gotta say, as the resident middleman in terms of uh, well, I'm probably the shortest of the three of us, definitely. But in terms of middle middleweight of the three of us, I don't find the ride cars that comfortable either. Let me be abundantly clear here. I think if all three of us are saying that, there's something wrong with the design of the attraction. I, I will agree with that assessment. I don't necessarily know those are the most comfortable seats I've ever been in. But I remember correctly too. The back padding is atrocious as well. Like it just it's it's just it's an uncomfortable yeah, attraction. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. Um so again, one that I will based on my, my kids' affinity for a little bit tamer attraction, although Zach does like Big Thunder too. So but Seven Dwarfs Mind Train, I think if you've never done it and you get the right circumstances, specifically if you catch it at night during the fireworks and you come over the hill at the right time, it's a beautiful view, but that's like a one in a million shot. So I will say, um, Tim, there's, there's another one that I think less controversial for you two, a little more controversial for me, but again, another family coaster. Yeah. Uh, Slinky Dog Dash at Toy Story Land, Hollywood Studios, um, 34 inch height requirement, 30 mile, 35 mile per hour top speed. Oh, sorry. 40 mile per hour uh, top speed. Yeah. Um, dual launches on this one. Uh, launch from the station and then a false stop in the middle of the ride into a countdown with a second launch. Uh, and then a really cool um, new generation wheezy animatronic um, right at the end of the ride that takes care of one of the big roller coaster problems of uh, you have to wait for each single train to unload. Uh, so you're kind of parked outside the station waiting and that wheezy animatronic, uh, you know, sings songs and uh, talks to you. And is just really adorable and a fun animatronic that makes you uh, not want to have to get off the ride. No, no, hopefully we have to do a wheelchair transfer on that uh, train in front of us so we can get another round with uh, wheezy. Um, and yeah, this is a family coaster, but it is at the same time, uh, it has theming throughout, um, not animatronics, but you have uh, very similar theming to how Velocicoaster works, where it is a steel coaster. And as you go through the thrill features, uh, you know, there's like a tower of blocks with Jesse hanging off of it. You got Rex. Um, you got a pretty cool queue. 
not the best queue. Uh, probably actually the worst queue of any of the rides on this list, just because the the shaded part of the queue is kind of cool. It's the uh, boxes and stuff from Andy's Super Coaster Engineering playset. But most of the queue, unfortunately, is outside of the ride itself in the sun. Um, I know we we did a Toy Story Land episode. Um, I was on vacation for that episode, but Bob, Jordan, and Drew did that one. And um, yeah, that that whole land is notorious for its lack of shade. And you're going to wait a little while in that lack of shade for this. But I, I love this ride. Um, there, there's something about it where it really just uh, hits all the things that I think a family coaster should and does it on a modern steel track with launches. Uh, it's incredibly smooth. Um, and I, I just think this is genuinely one of the most fun family coasters I've ever been on. Uh, and then a little bit of bias. I was huge anticipating Galaxy's Edge. The idea of, of, of living your Star Wars story was so big for me. I've gushed over Galaxy's Edge so many times this podcast. And during the construction of Galaxy's Edge, um, the best way to get views of what was being built there and the progress was being made uh, is on the out and back turn on this ride. And you get two, two kind of two rounds of uh, great Galaxy's Edge views. So in those trips leading up to Galaxy's Edge opening in those years, um, the most exciting part of going to Hollywood Studios for me was riding Slinky Dog Dash. So I could get to see into, oh, man, the whole Bonnie and Falcon is there now. Oh, they're building the marketplace, you know, and, and get a view of that construction of Galaxy's Edge was a really uh, neat thing for me. But even now the Galaxy's Edge is open. I, I still love Slinky Dog Dash. I think Toy Story Land is cool. Um, and I think this is a worthwhile ride. I don't Again, similar to Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, I don't think I wait 120 minutes for this. This is oftentimes one because uh, it is an outdoor coaster that uh, if there's lightning, uh, the lightning sensors on property go off, they have to shut it down. So this is one that I tend to wait until it's rained and the ride has been shut down and then kind of hover around Toy Story Land so I could jump in line and get it maybe on a 15 or 20 minute wait rather than that, uh, you know, hour plus wait that it oftentimes carries. Uh, Guy, what do you what do you think on this one? I love it. Um, like you touched on before, the queue is awful. It's definitely the worst queue on this list. Um, but the ride itself is fun. It's a nice it's I think it's the best kid coaster on the list for sure. The, the ride theming is great. Uh, this is a great ride at night. It really Hollywood Studios looks beautiful from this ride at night. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely not something that's worth waiting 90 minutes for anything like that. But again, it's one of those things that you just kind of have to do. Sometimes you have to eat the wait times and uh, it's a fun ride no matter what. Bob, what do you think? So I want to be clear here. I, I think my issues with Slinky Dog stem from the fact that I feel like Toy Story Land is a less than experience. So I don't, inherently have anything wrong with the structure and layout of this ride it's fun it's adorable everything you said tim is 100 percent correct and that wheezy animatronic is a blast the the camelback going over the back side of the ride looking over into galaxy's edge fantastic i just think that i wanted so much more from toy story in the parks that it just the whole land just doesn't live up to what 
I wanted. So I, I look down at almost the entirety of the experience. And maybe that's a me problem. You know, maybe, maybe that's something I need to square with. Like I'm over Tron already. The ride isn't even open. I'm already over it. Maybe it's a thing I have to square with that I just, as much as I love Toy Story, and I, and I do enjoy Toy Story Mania and my favorite, my second favorite acronym to ride, ASS, in the back corner. And I think with the new restaurant, maybe they're trying to build it out a little bit. I just wanted so much more from Toy Story Land that they just, it never really hit. And I, I have the problem with this ride that you guys have with Seven Dwarfs is it usually is a bitch of a wait. And it is a brutal wait because of how they designed the, the land itself. There's just nowhere to escape the Florida sun. And I, but again, structurally fun. The ride is a great little ride. It's a fun little coaster. It is absolutely guy. You're 100 correct. The best family coaster on this list. Got it. But my God, I think I have a bias with Toy Story Land in general, and that's where my anger comes from. That's all. You know. All right. Did we save the best for last, Bob? I think we did, guy. Right, Tim? Yeah. Guy, we I we think did. So, so uh, last as long on as you ride it at is- night. As long as we ride it at night. <laughs> that That's brought up on the list here. Uh, last on the list is Big Thunder Mountain. I think it probably has some of the best theming of all the rides on the list. This is a ride I've done dozens and dozens of times, and I will, you know, I'll be on the left side and I'll catch things that I'm like, oh, I never noticed this before. Um, it's always good for something like that. Uh, for me personally, uh, a lot of attachment to this ride. This is Sal's favorite ride without a doubt um it's a tough one for me with him because you're going to the left you're going to the right a lot so definitely try not to squish him uh in the ride for sure is a part of the adventure a 34 inch height requirement top speed of 35 miles an hour like i said some of the best theming um and again you're always going to catch something new it is in fact the wildest ride in the wilderness um, it has been argued by some that it is a better ride at night. Um, and then more importantly, just so this list doesn't get too long winded, rather than, you know, try to figure out what you guys think of the ride. I just want to know what is behind Big Thunder Mountain. Why are you doing that to me? Why? You know what happened the last time I brought up what's behind behind Thunder Mountain? I went on a I went on a 14 minute rant about never doing the podcast again. So I, I, I why why are you doing that? I digress. Everything we, we've talked about Thunder Mountain, Tim. I mean, in every top ten list we've done from cues to 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 cues. To cues, well, okay. <laughs> the cues and the rides, we definitely did. I I don't know that it, it did anything for uh, pre-show because there really isn't one. But ride backstory is there. This again, I I think when we had, I don't know if we did it when Kais did Frontierland and Liberty Square, but I, we've talked about whether it's privately or or on the show about how ripe Thunder Mountain could be for. Uh, a show on Disney plus, or I just feel like they could use Thunder Mountain so much better than they do. It, it really is in a class of its own. Uh, I love Thunder Mountain. Zachary, uh, very similar to, to, to Sal guy. Um, Zach loves it. I, I remember the highlight. And again, we talk about having experiences at Disney and why do you go so much? Well, it's for the experience. I, the experience I will never, ever, ever forget is I took Zachary on Thunder Mountain for the first time in his life. And he got off that ride, 
walking like he just rode a horse for the first time in his life, uh, 40 miles uphill in the desert. He got off. Oh, jeez, that ride broke me, Dad. And but but he <laughs> loved it. But I will never ever forget having that experience with Zachary. And that is really what I think a lot of these coasters do, and especially Thunder Mountain. And I think Space Mountain is similar to that because they're such iconic attractions at the most iconic theme park in the world. They have a built you have a built-in reverence for these two cornerstone attractions. Thunder Mountain, unequivocally fantastic. There's almost nothing wrong with Thunder Mountain, legitimately, as long as you ride it at night. I can't stress enough. You must ride Thunder Mountain at night. Tim, am I wrong for saying Thunder Mountain at night? I, I, I mean, I, I don't think the difference is that huge. Um, I think <laughs> I think between the two of you, you said everything um, that you could about this ride. All-timer ride iconic ride one of the ultimate disney rides um what's behind thunder mountain hundreds of acres of undeveloped florida swampland that will never be developed (laughs) uh and i just want to say a cool fact that i'm pretty sure we talked about on the show before i know i because i've researched this for the show but in case i mean it was on some old episode um super unique thing about thunder mountain that none of these other coasters and in fact no other roller coaster in the world can claim um there's been three peer-reviewed studies about the phenomenon that Thunder Mountain is the one of the most effective treatments in the world to help patients pass medium to large sized kidney stones. Um, the phenomenon after these three peer reviewed studies has still not been explained, but uh, if you have kidney stones and you're having difficulty passing them and you're headed to Disney World, ride Big Thunder Mountain and uh, it will up your chances of that happening by a significant amount. Um, and then that was done by doctors who research kidney health um, multiple times and peer reviewed and and published in in medical journals um yeah so uh <laughs> I thunder think, mountain. You know what, Tim, i think you we did do this we did do a thunder mountain episode um and you certainly did mention that and it's just it blew my mind then blows my mind now uh you know listeners we don't do these episodes uh, without at least having a little fun at the end of them so I'm going to do a couple rapid fire with my with my co-hosts here. Uh, a little superlative here, boys, in a tribute to our spreadsheet of silliness. Uh, best theming, do we all agree it's Hagrid's? I agree, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. All right. Best family coaster, I think we agree, is Slinky, despite my issues with Toy Story Land. Slinky is the best family coaster on this list. Uh, most innovative. Now, this is where I think we depart a little bit. Tim, I don't really know what I mean by most innovative. Most innovative legitimate coasters probably velocicoaster yeah in terms of using coaster themes i'm gonna go space mountain when space mountain opened traditionally okay there was nothing remotely like space mountain it blew a lot of people's minds all right you know what i'll second that you know what i'm not in the mood to argue tonight so i'm gonna go with it it's valentine's day all nothing but love here i'm gonna go most innovative is space mountain well done and most exciting we all agree never having read it uh, never having been on it, I would say it's Velocicoaster, and I don't know that it's even really debatable. Yeah, I mean, I've ridden Velocicoaster. It is by far the most thrilling ride on this list. So, Just from I, a YouTube watch, you can see what a great ride yeah. it is. So, I mean, conspicuous. Go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, it's over 20 miles per hour faster than anything else on this right. entire list. Yeah. It has the, the most inversions by right. far on anything of this list. In fact, 
Is it the only coaster? I yes, so. it is the yeah. only coaster with inversions on this list. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uses, I think by default it just wins. Yeah. It certainly uses the most roller coastery elements, too. Like, it, coaster enthusiasts would seek this ride out to go on it based on what it does between the top hat and, and the, the, the heartline roll. Like, it, there's a ton going on in this attraction. Um, conspicuous from its absence on the list, gentlemen, the rock and roller coaster starring Aerosmith. Um, we've done rock and roller coaster a couple times. I know we did uh, very early episode two. I think we did a random house of mouse on, on rock and roller coaster. Allegedly rumors are that it's days could be numbered. It's scheduled to go down in the next week or so for a fairly lengthy refurbishment, um, through the summer of 2023 or to the summer of 2023. We all know how Disney's timelines work. I'm not asking for you guys, but a timeline on it. If the rumors are true that potentially Aerosmith could be out of the attraction, nothing's been announced. So I don't know that to be true. Do we get a generic replacement or do we get another band in there? And if so, who's the one band you want to see replace Aerosmith or what theme would you do instead of Aerosmith's music? I think you almost have to go generic here. Um, I think by the time you put in a band, um, like even when this ride was brand new, like kids didn't care about Aerosmith then. I mean, I don't know that you can put a band in that 20-year-olds care about and 50-year-olds care about and everyone in between. Um, You'd have to completely retheme the ride um, if you were going to do it to another specific band. I think they could just easily turn this into a, you know, G-Force Records ride um, where you could play different songs from different artists very much like you do at Guardians right now. Um, I mean, it is a short ride. I think the ride time on it is, I think, under a minute 30. I'm not 100 percent positive, but it's a very short ride. Um, Honestly, I don't know really what the future of this ride is. It's funny you said you'd have to retheme the entire ride because outside of the pre-show video and obviously some Aerosmith signage, it's very much a generic Los Angeles ride. I don't know that you yeah. would need to do much because the music doesn't really sync up to anything. It's not a, it's not an overly um, technical attraction, in my opinion. You could probably put the Eagles in there tomorrow and it, it would hit kind of the same notes. Am I wrong with that? Do you think you could kind of replace Aerosmith? Yeah, I think the obvious choice is is, is what Guy said. I think you make it a jukebox thing. You license out and you rotate the songs, although we know Disney won't do that. In fact, they'll probably do – hopefully they choose some timeless music like they did for for Guardians if they go that route because they choose pop hits. We're going to be stuck with, like, you know, stuff that's going to date this ride so quick. Um. Not to steal what maybe is your idea, Bub, but uh, I think obviously the coolest possible thing they could do with this is uh, make it a power line ride. Oh, easily, easily. And it, it's Italian. I, listen, what I worry about with doing something like that, and I don't want to go crazy with this with this concept right now, but I think what you do is you make it almost a kid-friendly attraction by making it power line, but it's not accessible to kids because it is the 48 inches. It is a very intense ride for the 88 seconds that you're on it. I mean, it is launch, go, loop, corkscrew, and home. Like, it is an intense in and out. I don't know how power line would fit, but again, you get into his concert, does it matter whose concert you're getting to? That's the ultimate question for 
that to that. So there was actually an interesting attraction concept thrown about that they were going to tie this to the Tower of Terror somehow. I'll do some research and find out. Maybe we'll do a little segment on it in a couple of weeks when this ride does go down. Because uh, it was a really fascinating concept, what they were going to do to tie it into uh, Tower of Terror. It was really cool read. Uh, for me, last thing I want to do, we always do a future Imagineering, Imagineering, uh, armchair Imagineering, future coaster projects. For me, there's only one answer, guys. It is you hire Rocky Mountain Coaster today. You shut down the entirety of Dino Land. You give us Zootopia, and you theme it to the train ride from Zootopia that goes through the different habitats. And this is where I think you'd get something on par to what they do at Hagrid's, where you could go through Sahara Square, Tundra Town, Little Rodentia, Rainforest District. You could have the drop tracks, Tim. You could have scenes with the characters from the film. And you and Rocky Mountain Coaster is the pinnacle company of making that steel wood hybrid right now. They do it with all the old wood coasters at all the local regional parks. I would love for them to team up with Rocky Mountain and do something like that in Dinoland. I think it it practically writes itself. You wouldn't even have to put a Zootopia theme if you wanted to put a Rocky Mountain coaster in there. Um, dinosaur themed as well. Fine. I'm cool with that too. But I just think Zootopia has been rumored so much yeah, that there has to be yeah. fire where there's smoke. That, that's all. I, I don't know it to be true, but I, I, I do feel there has to be some fire. Uh, yeah, I mean, the future coaster I'm most excited for, again, it's like a not confirmed, but there's permits that have been filed and it's widely believed that the drawings for it may be out there. Uh, I'm a huge classic monsters guy. And it looks like for Epic Universe that what was originally supposed to be a very elaborate stage show as the 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 B attraction in the Classics Monsters Land is now going to be a Frankenstein's monster themed roller coaster. Uh, And I am incredibly excited for that. Uh, You know, uh, Universal really with the three entries on this list, (sighs) some would say the Hulk. I would not be one of them. Uh, that Universal's coaster bona fides are, are well established at this point. And I, I just really hope that if they can give us half of what they did with Velocicoaster and Hagrid's, that that's going to be a truly a, a really special ride theme to a property that has criminally been yeah. criminally underused in theme parks, which is just crazy because those are some of those beloved characters from before anybody who's alive right now was alive until the current generation, all all those classic monsters. Yeah. Tim, uh, podcast or not, I think there's a trip to universal in our future together to go to Epic universe when it opens. Cause that I I have very high hopes for Epic universe. Just based on what universal has done the last few years, their existing parks. I, I have extremely high hopes for that park. Uh, Guy, what about you? Any, any any future coaster project, future Imagineering you want to do here before we wrap it up? Uh, so nothing that I specifically want to do, just where I kind of think the next big thing that will happen there um, at Animal Kingdom. And I think that would be another um, Avatar ride coaster. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like that. Yeah. I mean, that's what I assume is going to go in next. Um, I definitely like your Zootopia idea a lot better. Um that's kind of kind of what we're all clamoring for, so I agree with that. But I think the next big ride uh, at Animal Kingdom is going to be of the Avatar variety. 
That's fair. There was enough in Avatar 2 that would indicate to me you could do like a dive coaster or something water themed for sure. That would be some sort of coaster. Tim, I know we've we talked about that on the Avatar episode that they're ripe for expansion for that land for for Pandora. And I know Disneyland is getting an Avatar experience, whatever the hell that means. It doesn't necessarily mean Uh, they're getting Pandora. it, it, It probably means they are not getting any attractions. Um, right. Somebody pointed out what they're probably getting over in Hong Kong or Shanghai. There is a kind of like the festival center in the back of Epcot. There's a multi-use yep. space like that. And it's set up as like a natural history museum of stuff that was brought back from Pandora. And it is almost certainly that shit is going to get packed up when that exhibition ends in Asia and brought over to Disneyland because if Disney was putting a ride or attraction or show there, they would have said Disneyland is getting an avatar attraction because that's the verbiage that is always used by Disney corporate. And when they say experience, it much more leans towards that activation or walkthrough type thing. Um, kind of like the journey of water. That is being uh, that's that that is they proudly call that an attraction, Bob. And you think you have Tron fatigue. Well, Tron is just over the horizon. <laughs> I am going to give you Avatar Way of or Moana Journey of Water fatigue. My friend. I already have that too, and I already have what's behind Thunder Mountain fatigue. I'm just fatigued. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. That is our show. If you have any other uh, questions, comments, or concerns about our roller coaster list, or if there's something we missed, i.e., like Tim mentioned, the Incredible Hulk coaster, or even Hollywood Rip Ride and Rocket, which seems eerily what you guys want to do with Rock and Roller Coaster, uh, reach out to us, the Disney Guys Uncensored at gmail.com. If you do like what you hear, by all means, please feel free to leave us a review or tell a friend how much you enjoy the show and have them listen. That is it for this week. We'll catch you next time. Good night, Ohana. Good night.